Hello, everybody. Welcome to Standard Definition, the podcast about video games and whatever else we want to talk about. I am your host, Corey Deering, and alongside me this week on this on-the-fly, seated-in-our-pants pilot episode of Standard Definition is none other than the one and only DMing news machine, the mayor of the Deep Stone Crypt, Josh Finney. Hey, thanks for having me, Corey. I appreciate it. Hi, Josh. Honored to be here for the first episode. Yeah, uh, kind of, uh, kind of just started out of nowhere. You know, I was gonna. My plan tonight actually was to record like a 15-minute kind of episode zero. This I'm gonna walk through. This is my new show. This is what I want to do with it. These are my goals. And then I get like 10 DMs from you about. Did you see this? Did you see this about Google Stadia? Did you see this about, you know, the Wakanda stuff? Did you see this? And I was like, oh, wait, did, it, did you see this about Netflix and the GameStop movie? And <laughs> it's, just like, and it then we've been just, a crazy afternoon. And then we were just kind of like, do we just want to get this first episode out of the way? And I, we were just like, yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but to be clear, Josh is not my permanent co host on this show. Uh, he will be here frequently. He will be. He has an open seat on the show. Obviously, we work together with Tower Casuals and stuff. But uh, this is part of my pursuit to do my own thing outside of the groups that I've worked with before. And also, Josh is doing his own thing. But we're still friends. We still like to podcast together. So, obviously, Josh, you have an open chair on this show whenever you would like to be here. Uh, but just to just to be clear, Josh is not the permanent co-host of this show. Uh, but I always appreciate Josh stopping by, hanging out, talking about games and Marvel and Star Wars and whatever else we want to talk about. I'm so excited, Josh, about this show. This is a show. Let me tell you how long I've been wanting to do this show, Josh. Okay. Tell me, Corey. Tell me. We've known each other for a long time, right? We have. About what? Four or five ish years? Longer than that, probably five, six ish, somewhere in there. I've been doing wanting to do a variation of this show. Since you were on Neek. Oh, Jesus Christ. That is... Woo! It's gone through... That's a long time ago. It's gone through a few variations, like a few ideas, a few mm-hmm. different... You know, I, maybe, I thought maybe it was going to be like a, a retro and nostalgia show, which it's still going to be kind of that in terms of topics when we get there. Mm-hmm. It's going to, you know, have those elements in it. It's going to be some sort of like kind of old school review type show at one point and i was like no i don't want to do that but josh finally doing it standard definition is here it's happening yeah uh my goal is to have you know a two to three man show every every week uh various guests various hosts i know colonel panic wants to be involved i know a few other people i've reached out to guests and stuff want to be involved we weren't planning on filming this first episode till after the super bowl yeah, uh, but, you know, things uh, happen in a very fast-moving industry. Yeah. Uh, the show is going to be live on my Twitch channel. We are going to film some things in between because, obviously, there's no better time to start a podcast than six weeks before you're supposed to have a baby. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> we are going to record some episodes in between where I think Josh and I are going are to talk about The Mandalorian. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. We we have a, a chat with Colonel Panic uh, about some topic ideas that we were going to yeah. film in advance. So some episodes might be kind of 
sporadically dispersed, especially during that month I'm taking off for my child being born. But with that said, Josh, I appreciate you being here. I'm glad that you and I get to do this first episode together. And uh, that this is standard definition. This is what it's going to be. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is Standard Definition, the podcast about video games and whatever else we want it to be about. You can find the show live on twitch.tv slash HD every Sunday night or on Tuesdays on YouTube and podcast services. If you like the show, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or hit that follow button on Twitch. You can email the show at standarddefpodcast at gmail.com or tweet at standarddefpod. <coughs> Any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, or ideas that you might have. You can also check out the show on CoreyNHD.com. That is my personal site. Josh, let's get into the news. There's a lot of it. There is. There is. <laughs> Josh, let me before we get into the news, let me tell you, when we decided we were going to record this, I furiously wrote show notes how I would like to write show notes per episode. You know, like on previous shows, sometimes, you know, Tower Casuals, we just I just kind of follow your lead on that. I Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tower Casuals is the very definition of a seat, of my, seat by your pants, seat of your pants style show. Um, if I can ever get my words out, since we record it right after the weekly update goes live, so it's like I stopped planning shows because the the weekly updates were so meaty, and that yeah. was taking up so much conversation. Then I stopped planning shows, and they stopped being meaty. So I have like emergency topics sitting mm-hmm. off to the side. Yeah, that if we ever need, it's like break in case of emergency. Break out one of these topics or a guest. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so like I actually like took my time. Well, took my time. Quote air quotes. I listed out the news of importance of news stories. I listed them in order. I have a, a wrap up slash quickies section. Uh, I know we like to get sexual on our podcast, so quickies is a is a great way right. to fit that right. in. Uh, the chat with Colonel Panic immediately turned horny last night. So yeah, uh, immediately turns out turns out Colonel Panic has a thing for Jessica Rabbit, and then we just kind of you know went secrets with it. were revealed last night. Yeah. Mm. There were secrets, and they were revealed. <laughs> About Jessica Rabbit and the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, Josh, let's get into the news. Story number one. Google Stadia, Google's game streaming service, has announced that the company will shut down their internal game studios <clears throat> and that it will focus on third-party initiatives and partnering with other companies with their tech. The biggest news about this, Jade Raymond, former EA and Ubisoft producer on games like The Sims, Assassin's Creed 1, 2, and Brotherhood, Splinter Cell Blacklist, who was heading up Google's first-party development, is now out at Google and is a free agent. So uh, there's a couple takeaways from this, first off. like Before before we get into the whole business of Jade and about the streaming tech, 150 people just lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Okay, Two studios completely closed. Uh, they never shipped a single game. Nope. Like... When Stadia was first announced, I remember I, I was talking with our friend Ray Apollo when it was happening. You know, he he was streaming it. I was at work when it was happening, and I'm just like, I can't believe that this is actually a thing because you're announcing a platform without any exclusives, without any internal games ready to go. Like I've never heard of this, never heard of a platform doing this before. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you're trying to do something that nobody has really done before. Like, we all, I think, kind of saw this coming, though. Google, if something's not immediately profitable, likes to axe it. 
And I think a tweet from Jeff Grubb that I saw last year really sums it up the best, where he says, Ubisoft has 16,000 employees. Google has 160,000. Mm-hmm. Those 16,000 at Ubisoft are just for making and shipping games. Is Google prepared to add 5 to 10% of their workforce to be game development? If not, they have no business being in this space. And that's true. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the struggles that Amazon's going through right now. And you bring in Jade Raymond to head up your first-party initiatives. Like, that, that should be a slam dunk. Then you realize that the man you put in charge of all of Stadia is Phil Harrison. Yeah. Which, I, how that guy still has a job is beyond me. He's now three for three on terrible product launches. I mean, yeah, I don't know. He's, he like, every time I see him, I'm just like, man, this guy, he's so lucky. <laughs> he is so yeah. lucky. Agent 47 looking motherfucker. <laughs> Did you, was that Jeff Grubb too? Who that tweeted was Jeff out, as well. Who yeah. tweeted out, uh, what was it like? Good work. Well done, 47. Yeah. Yeah. That was really <laughs> I heard it in Diana's voice and I'm yeah. just like, oh God, I've played so much Hitman. I know. It's, it's so funny. I mean, look, we've been talking about Google Stadia for what, like a year and a half ish now, maybe a yeah. little bit over two years. It's been about 18 months since they revealed 18, 19 months maybe since they revealed it. I mean, with the Rocky launch and the weird Stadia connects things and not really showing any first party footage of any games they were working on. Like that first <laughs> that first Google Stadia Connect that they had, they should have had a first party game. Like if you're going to launch something, you need to have a first party game, at least in development, that you're able to show why you need to own this. Right. And between that and the way that Xbox has kind of shifted xCloud and Game Pass Ultimate, kind of ate Google Stadia's launch. And kind of what Amazon Luna is doing is it like they're doing the streaming game service, but it's still a subscription. You don't have to buy the games outright, you know? We'll see. And, and that, uh, that was the funniest part about it is they reveal Stadia and not three weeks later, we get the first public beta details about xCloud mm-hmm. and Game Pass Ultimate debuts for one dollar. Convert your entire existing subscription over for, uh, subscription over for one dollar. Yeah, like you just you you couldn't beat that. Like I remember having such high hopes in that Stadia Direct because I was willing to excuse that they didn't have a first party title because I was like that's weird, but their big name exclusive they had was Baldur's Gate three, mm-hmm. and I, I still I would love to know how much Google ended up dropping to get that exclusivity because I guarantee you Larian wanted that on PS5 and Series X. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And it, that it is coming once it's out of early access. Yeah. But they must have paid so much to get them to agree to do it on early access. And it's just your only exclusives ultimately ended up being, I think Baldur's Gate three and like orcs may die three. I mean, they had guilt at the beginning too, which was the, the tequila I, I works don't game. I know what that is. That's it's, how bad it was. It was the tequila works game. The, the people that made Ryan, oh. it was their next oh. game. Uh, it like from, from what people said, they're like, yeah, it was fine, but it's not a game that you're going to go use this service for, right? Like it's a nice yeah. addition to the service if you're subscribing to it. But I mean, also the big draw for them too was like, a console experience destiny at 60 frames a second, which yep. we all knew that was coming to con- the next gen consoles anyway. So it's like, well, you know, I could either play it on PC and do that or just wait until I get a series X or a PS five. I mean, and the, the other part about it is it all relies on cloud infrastructure, which is a cool notion to think about, but mm-hmm. it was never going to be able to take off. And it's the same hurdle facing Amazon Luna and to a degree that is facing X cloud, which mm-hmm. is, 
American infrastructure and ISPs are simply not built to handle this because of the ISPs themselves. I mean, they want such a big part of the pie mm-hmm. that it's so overly contingent on fees and it's inex- broadband as inaccessible. Like one thing the pandemic's taught us is you need to have that accessibility if you're going to push options like this. Like with so many people working from home, like Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, like we're all throttling your data. Mm-hmm. In the early months of this, like I remember we didn't have gigabit fiber yet. And like once we had fiber, it was unlimited. But like I was hitting my Internet cap because they were like, oh, you know, you're not going to let you stream in HD. You know, you have to stream in standard def or, you know, your connections can be a little bit buggy. And it's just it's such a scummy practice like this. Realistically, cloud gaming as a whole can't get above a niche component or outside of people who live in like. 15, 20 major cities around the country mm-hmm. uh, to really take off. Like, I never noticed a problem. I used Stadia a few times. I didn't notice a huge problem, but I also lived in Dallas and in Austin. Mm-hmm. Like, we have fiber. We have those 5G connectors, too. And I don't I don't know. Like, it, it feels like it was destined to fail from the beginning because Google, uh, I said this to a friend earlier, it feels like they really did this to bolster their cloud technology to test it and to maybe make some profit, maybe break even by the end of it. And I don't even think they did that. Yeah. But the tech is going to be so valuable going forward. Like in the press release, it says they're excited to work with other publishers to utilize this streaming tech. To me, if, to me, if I was Sony, I would be the yep. Sony on my list. That would be the first person to go to Google and say, Hey, our guy Kai purchase not really working out. It, yep. it works for certain things, but not others. We need to partner with you to use this tech. Also, I heard Nintendo mentioned. I know we're going to talk about something about their their multiplayer mm-hmm. servers later. Whatever whatever control and Hitman are running on, I feel like that that cloud tech is fine for what the Switch is. But if I was Sony, they would be the first person I'd get on the phone and be like, it, hey. Exactly. I completely agree. The only way I could see Nintendo going for them is if the rumored Switch Pro that's coming has like 5G capabilities built into it mm-hmm. or something. Which I, that is I don't only, think they will. I don't think so either. The, the price would go up so astronomically on that unit, it wouldn't be worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you're still several years away from seeing a Switch that can do portable cellular. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I'm Sony, I, I joked earlier that if I'm Sony, what I'm doing is I am backing up a truckload of cash to Google to attempt to get this technology. Like I will pay them. No price is too much to get that patent exclusively working in terms of gaming with your services. Mm -hmm. There is nothing too great for that. Right. To have Google servers, to have that tech, to potentially have those engineers. There's no price that is too expensive because Sony will make that back. Mm -hmm. They need to make, you know, release horizon, God of war and, uh, you know, another Spider-Man and they're good to go. I say that kind of flippantly, but it's true. Like, we saw that Microsoft, you know, just increasing Game Pass customers by like three or four million paid for the Bethesda acquisition. Mm-hmm. Like, so one or two Bethesdas may be the price of this, but you're, you may be paying for it the rest of the generation, but that's going to set you up for the future so much. You're already several years behind if you're Sony. Because Microsoft was testing this tech and showing it to people as early as 2014 at Gamescom. Mm-hmm. They were show 2014 or 2015, one of the two, they were showing Halo 4 running on an iPhone there. Mm-hmm. And they were demonstrating the cloud tech for the 
first build of Crackdown 3. That was years and years ago. And this is a company that does software. Sony does not do software for a living. Mm -hmm. They make devices, the opposite of Microsoft. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you are so far behind the curve on that. Likewise, if I'm Microsoft, if I'm Phil Spencer, I hear this news. I go to the CEO. I tell him what just happened. I'm getting the authorization to get the biggest semi-trailer I can find on the property. I'm loading up the first bank of Microsoft with just as many bills as I can find. I'm driving it to Montreal tonight, parking in Jade Raidman's front yard and saying, here's the keys to the truck and here's the keys to whatever studio you want. It's mm-hmm. yours. Yep. I, I you tweeted, have full I, creative control. I tweeted that out. I was like, you know what? I, mm-hmm. I was like at, at Xbox P3. All I know is you you better do everything you can to call Jade Raymond right now. All uh, I'm going to say is she's she's based in Montreal, and mm-hmm. Microsoft has one studio there now and is about to have a second once the Bethesda purchase goes through. Mm-hmm. They will have an actual Bethesda studio there, and Compulsion is based there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm Microsoft, I'm perfectly willing to offer her one of those two. The second that the Bethesda deal goes through, be like, hey, you can have this studio once we complete the acquisition. We'll approve it with... Uh, with uh, Todd Howard and Pete Hines and whoever else we need to over at Bethesda. But um, you can have this satellite studio and they won't be a support studio anymore. They can make their own game. Or you can have Compulsion, who I feel like that studio is still really struggling to find an identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know they're working on that Bioshock-esque game. But yeah, it's like a third-person game or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, thing, the, the things we've heard about it sound really cool, but... Yeah, but so did so did We Happy Few looked oh, really cool, God, too. And that game was not... I mean, it was it was yeah. okay at best, but like, like I it thought was. it looked cool. But then they said what the game was, and then they delayed it to try to fit what they were doing into what people expected it to be, and it just didn't work. Yeah, I it, again, like if I if I'm Microsoft, I'm I'm making that offer to her immediately. Like I've already made that call within an hour of that news mm-hmm. breaking. I guarantee you. Microsoft and Sony both called her. Mm-hmm. I feel like Microsoft has a little bit more to offer, and I don't say that flippantly. Like I think Sony has the better first per- first party development studios. But yeah, but they're, they're already established and have great leaders. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they're like, not going to hand the keys of Naughty Dog or Sony Santa Monica over, which mm-hmm. would be the two top destinations to go. Mm-hmm. They're going to leave the studio head in charge at Sucker Punch after Ghost Tsushima's success. Right. They're not going to. I don't think she wants to go work at Media Molecule and. Mm-hmm. Gorilla, I mean, again, I feel like they still have their identity, even though Herman Hulse has moved on to mm-hmm. be the head of all their studios. Mm-hmm. So, whereas, honestly, outside of Joseph Staten running 343 and Daryl Gallagher down at the initiative, what studio at Microsoft would say no to having Jade come in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. None. E- even 343, I feel I like, mean, would be like, yeah. What if, like, since uh, Rod Ferguson left the coalition? I feel like a second team at the coalition run by Jade Raymond would be perfect for something. That and that that's what I was thinking too, because she did her last thing she did before going to Google was establishing EA Motive. Mm-hmm. Who did the flying portions in Battlefront two and then did uh, Star Wars Squadrons. Mm-hmm. And they're working on a new IP now that's not related to Star Wars, but like she's done that. She's obvious she's one of the brains behind the first three Assassin's Creed games, which two of those three are still regarded as like the best games in the series mm-hmm. i have I, splinter cell blacklist obviously she's the last person to work on the tr- last true splinter cell which blacklist did get decent reviews mm-hmm. um but she was also kind of responsible for watchdogs so 
I mean, everybody's going to have some hits and misses, mm-hmm. but that's somebody with an enough enough of a track record in an industry that is lacking in female leadership and mm-hmm. roles at big studios that I feel like, and I mean, just her mind, like how she knows how the business works. She's now been not just a producer, she's been on the business side of it too. Yeah. She's perfect to come in and take over a team at one of these big ones, but she's yeah. not going to go back to Ubisoft. She's not going to go back to EA. Right. She goes anywhere. It's going to be Sony or Microsoft or make a flat out new studio. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could see her starting some sort of indie studio and make like a double a double a type indie studio. I would really like to see her end up at Microsoft. Personally, we both kind of lean the Xbox way a little bit, but I think uh, they need creators to have an identity. Yeah. They, I mean, they do. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like the one person that was part of Xbox's identity besides Phil Spencer was Rod Ferguson. And he left yep. to go work on Diablo. So Microsoft needs another face, right? So, Which, I mean, they're, they're about to get one in Todd Howard, right? Right, but, but, but Bethesda is kind of like, people still think, they don't think Bethesda as Xbox, no. they still think Bethesda as Bethesda, right? Like I, the, my, the, the hype, I think, that would go through the roof if she had an exclusive project underneath the Xbox umbrella would be, I mean, I think people would obviously be cautiously optimistic, mm-hmm. but I think they'd be really intrigued too, and I mean, who's to say that some of those Montreal employees couldn't, you know, be used to help start another studio or come join compulsion hey we'll grow compulsion by like 20 members to bring over some of your studio heads mm-hmm. some of your project leads maybe you know your lighting artists things like that Your maybe your narrative directors like what were y'all working on that was so good like could we possibly revive one of those projects if we have enough faith in it like i don't know i don't know how the legality of any of that works but this is some this is a story that's not going to go away mm-hmm. and i ex- i would expect to hear something about her future plans much sooner than we hear anything about the streaming tech. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I we 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 all saw this coming a mile away for Google Stadia. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this tech moving forward. But Josh, we're going to get into story number two here. Let's do it. Numero dos, dude. This this news was was really cool. Ryan Coogler, the director most famous for films such as Fruitvale Station, Creed, and Marvel's Black Panther, and his company Proximity Media, have entered a five-year television exclusivity deal with Disney to develop a Kingdom of Wakanda series for Disney+. Coogler is also set to direct Black Panther 2 for Marvel, set for release sometime in 2022, though there has been little information about the direction of that film since the passing of actor Chadwick Boseman, except for the fact that they will not recast the character. This is really interesting. I really think Wakanda is super interesting to set a TV show, right? I feel like there's a lot going on there. It could be some sort of political drama. I mean, we kind of saw that uh, a little bit in Black Panther, uh, but what do you what do you think of this? I think it's cool. I, I think it's gonna probably center mostly on the Dora Minaj. I feel like that's the that that's like not necessarily the quick solution. But I feel like that's the easy answer to jump to. Um, Okoye obviously was the breakout hit of Black Panther, and subsequently, you know, is in Infinity War and Endgame. She's gonna have a role going forward. You know, we have the Namor connection teased in Avengers Endgame when she's talking with Scarlet Witch, talking about rumblings under the ocean. But one of the things I talked about a couple years ago after the success of Black Panther and when Disney Plus was gearing up to launch, we knew about the first series coming, was I really wish they would do something in Wakanda, whether it's a movie or a series, that just deals with people in that universe that aren't Black Panther. I mean, you can have Shuri in it. You could have... I feel like this is a great opportunity to have... um, 
I'm forgetting her name right now, but uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be a perfect opportunity to keep her in there since she's a scientist. Right. You know, keep keep her in it. Um, you know, maybe like I don't know Angela Bassett. Like set it in the. You you could set it any time. Like you could you could jump back and set it. You know, during the the five years of the blip, you can set it uh, during the events of Phase Four or beyond. Like I assume this is going to be a couple years down the road. We probably won't see this until Phase Five. Mm-hmm. I expect not to see this until after Black Panther Two. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I bet I bet, it, I bet Black Panther Two will kind of lead into what this show's kind of. Oh, they're be. they're, they're going to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to how WandaVision and Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness are going to kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is either going to set up a lot that will be dealt with in Black Panther 2. I mean, maybe kind of helping explain why T'Challa is not here anymore. Because mm-hmm. they do have to come with an in-your-universe reason. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'm excited about a Wakanda series. I think it's a no-brainer. It was a little weird they didn't have something at Investor Day about that. Right. I think what excites me more is that this is an overall talent deal for Kugler and Proximity Media that does not just confine him to Marvel. Yeah. Kugler is one of the best minds working in Hollywood right now. Um, you know, Fruitvale Station is an incredible debut, but Creed is really when a lot of us went, oh my God, this, this guy is here to stay. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And of course, Black Panther, you know, with the, the best picture nom, things like that it, it was just this incredible tour de force of a performance the only question i have now is do they have killmonger in this somehow because it's a running joke that all of uh kugler's projects have had michael b jordan in a lead role mm-hmm. uh i'm excited to see what else he does uh under this brand i mean um a mind like that with the backing of the most powerful entertainment entity in the world mm-hmm. is something to watch. I'm, I'm very excited about yeah. what the future holds. And I, I hope it's not just all relegated to, Oh, it's going to be content. We just drop on Disney plus like yeah. make some of this theatrical content, you know, put some of this on network TV and then bring it to Disney plus. I don't know. Like I, this is an overarching deal for the whole company, but it is TV based. They make that really clear. Like proximity is television based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is such an amazing opportunity for him to bring in other creatives like we've seen some of the people who work underneath him rise to be some of the most in demand names in Hollywood. I mean, Louis Gorenson, who did the score now scores the Mandalorian. He scored Tenet. He's I mean, the dude's won an Oscar already. He's probably going up for a second one this year. Like he's won an Emmy, I believe, for the Mandalorian. Like, There's just so much there. And who's to say that, hey, he doesn't come in and guest. Uh, guest direct an episode of Lando down the line. Right. Like, that's what I was thinking of. I was like, what? Like, like you said, he's not strictly working on Marvel. Like I could see him doing some, some Lando stuff. I could see him doing other star Wars stuff. I could see him doing something not even within this, right? Like they could do, he could do something original for, for Disney and, and it could be like a limited series or something like this. I feel like this is just such a good move for, for Disney in general that it's a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you 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 may not lock him up on the film side, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's clearly his, his clearly he's working on Black Panther two right now. Right. So beyond that, I mean, it, even if he's just like J.J. Abramsing this, you know, like conceptualizing these shows, maybe doing the pilots, and you know, I don't know, like approving casting and scripts and stuff like that. Like it just, you know, created by Ryan Coogler. Like that goes a long way. Like I see certain names 
when that happens and I go, okay, boom, I'm automatically in. Mm. Like I will watch this series just because I know this person helped create it and is behind it ultimately. Yeah. Like I love that. Uh, for example, like House of Cards. I liked House of Cards, even though the director that started it, David Fincher, didn't do beyond the pilot. Mm-hmm. But you know, as one of my favorite directors, it's like, oh, okay, this is a story that he was all in on. He picked the showrunner Bo Wilmon. I really like this. I'm in on it. It got a little wonky after both of them were gone. But I, I hope that you know Coogler has enough of an eye to go. Okay, I'm going to bring in these guys to be my scriptwriters, my showrunners. I'm going to let them largely have their own vision, but it's going to come from my company. We're going to enable uh, people of color to tell these stories that other networks may not take a chance on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I mean, he just did Black Panther, which is well, not just, but he did Black Panther, which is the third highest grossing domestic movie of all time, mm-hmm. like third or fourth. That's bonkers. Like, let the man do whatever he wants. He yeah. knows what he's doing. Let him do what he wants. Don't just keep him to your star-studded franchises like those already have enough filmmakers chomping at the bit to work on them enable these other projects of his while you've got them under a five-year contract you know sure if he wants to come in and work on like an episode of lando or he wants to do uh he's not gonna do bad batch but like yeah he wants to come and do something he wants to do a project with pixar or something let the man do it Mm -hmm. let him do what he wants to do but if he comes to you with an original idea I would take the original idea over having him work on an existing franchise any day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I'm excited for this. I I liked Black Panther. Uh, Love it. It's one of my favorite movies. I'm really interested to see what becomes of this show, not only just uh, this show, but even Black Panther 2 because of uh, the passing of Chadwick Boseman. It's it's like that sad. Uh, But like you said, they need to come up with an in-universe reason for him not to be there. Uh, right. So the list of movies I have right here and what we just talked about, I have all the faith in Ryan Coogler and his team to do something really special yeah. at Disney. Speaking of streaming services, Josh, moving to story number three. Oh, God. <laughs> Check this out, Josh. Netflix is making some moves within the last few weeks, announcing new animated series such as Tomb Raider, based off the reboot trilogy that started on Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and PC back in 2013 and a new Sonic animated show called Sonic Prime. But the latest video game venture by the streaming giant isn't based on a particular franchise. Instead, they are finalizing their purchase of the rights to the GameStop stock market fiasco. If you've been sleeping under a rock, GameStop, as well as other stocks like AMC, have been rising in price due to a Reddit thread and hedge fund short selling. Boy, man, does this just say, hey, we want we want a movie kind of like a... Like the Wolf of Wall Street mixed with uh, the social network. And I just, I, boy, what is this? What is this movie, dude? I, so this is, ironically, this is one of two movies that are in the works, movies or series. Mm-hmm. Netflix is doing one, but uh, MGM has actually moved on uh, a proposal by the guy who wrote the book behind the social network, Ben Mesrich. Yeah. Uh, who has, much like how the social network came around, he hadn't yet published The Accidental Billionaires. He was writing it, but it was one of the hottest stories in Hollywood, and it was when he hooked up with Aaron Sorkin that the studio went, okay, yeah, we, we want to do this. So Sorkin was reading it while he was writing it and mm-hmm. adapting it. Like The book came out maybe a year, year and a half before the movie did. 
Mm-hmm. It was so weird. Like this is not super uncommon in Hollywood. It's uncommon for it to happen this quickly, though, when the story is barely a week old. To and there's the book proposal has just been made, and somebody's already acquiring rights to that book proposal. Like, right. are we gonna want? Granted, I said the exact same thing about the social network. I'm like, is anyone actually going to want to watch this? And I think that was like the ultimate test of if you have the right creative team involved and the Mm -hmm. right stars, Mm -hmm. people will watch whatever you put out. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, if you look at the social network, okay, it's a movie about Facebook starring Jesse Eisenberg and Justin Timberlake. Does that sound any at all appealing to you? No, I made fun of it every time I saw the trailers, and I went and saw it opening week with a couple of friends, and I was like, oh, there's no way this is going to be good. There's no way. And I found myself, like, at the beginning, hate-watching it. Yeah. And then you get to a point about, I don't know, maybe, like, eight minutes in, when that – it's funny because it's at the end of the opening scene, the masterful opening scene with Jesse Eisenberg and Bruni Mara, and you're just like, okay, there's something here. Like mm-hmm. – this the kid from Adventureland is actually going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Like this is actually going to be really good. And then, Andrew, you know, Andrew Garfield is electric. Justin Timberlake practically steals the movie when he comes in halfway through. Mm-hmm. You know, as as uh, you know, as Sean Parker. You know, it. There's so many bit players and it's our exposure our exposure to Army Hammer for the first time. Like, but it takes this mundane story that plays much better in a book than on the screen and makes it this captivating like edge of your seat movie like you just have to see what happens next i don't see that happening here i don't want to see christian bale or jesse eisenberg come in and play you know daddy choke me 69 in the (laughs) adaptation of this movie you know it's just that's that's not that's not how this goes like i i i'm much more i'm not even interested in reading a book about this because i've lived the reddit threads like, I'm watching this happen in real time, not like the social network where all of it was behind the scenes and you only knew it if you were one of, like, the dozen people around them at Harvard. Right. This is just... No. Something... <laughs> I hope this falls apart on both counts during production. Please don't do this. Right. <laughs> yeah, this this just seems like a bad idea. Uh, I mean, like, Facebook was different because it's literally one of the biggest social media platforms ever created. And, like, the story behind it is interesting, but, like, this is just, like, oh. It's like, it's like, it's like if somebody tweeted out a bunch of tweets that were semi-interesting and they were like, oh, let me make that a movie. You know what I mean? Which has happened. I'm, I know. Sadly, it has happened. I, I don't know. It's just, like, it's not enough that we have one, but we have two proposals about this. Like, one of them is inevitably going to fall apart, and I don't think it's the Netflix one. The Netflix one is going to get fast-tracked and shoved out. Mm Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're already getting people to agree to write these things and finance them is mind-blowing to me. I don't understand this. Uh, it's not It's not interesting. It's just not. It's like, okay, cool. Like We all got real interested in this for like three or four days and watched the saga of like the Robin Hood platform play out and Reddit ban Wall Street bets and Discord ban it. And it's like... The more interesting discussion is how come you ban this so quickly because billionaires were losing money, but you didn't ban hate speech, misogyny, and, you know, domestic terrorism, basically, for the last 10 years on your platforms. 
that's the more interesting conversation to have here rather than, oh, let's go make a movie about a bunch of people who, you know, were sitting in a Discord call. Yeah. It's not it's not a Michael Lewis book. It's not the big short coming to life. It's not Moneyball. It's a Reddit thread. Right. I <laughs> there's nothing else. There's just nothing else to say. Like, what are you gonna do? Have Jim Cramer come in and explain it to us? Like, unless you're gonna have Margot Robbie explaining all the financial stuff to me, this is gonna go so far over people's heads. Like, that's why the Big Short was successful. That's why the Social Network was so digestible. Was because they explained it to you like you were stupid. And I just don't know if you can really do that here in an interesting way that hasn't been done before. You're not having Justin Timberlake explain it to me. You're not having Selena Gomez playing poker or Anthony Bourdain making soup explaining it or Margot Robbie in a bubble bath. You're (laughs) going to have Timothy Chalamet winning an Oscar for this, knowing my luck. Right. (laughs) He went from Dune to this. Dude, every time I think of, of that kid, I just think of that Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> just like, it's just so bad. The rap one. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I don't really care about any of this. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to see this. I'm actively not wanting to see this. Josh, why don't we wrap up the news with some quickies here? I like quickies. I do too. It's fun. Chris Hemsworth looks jacked on the set of Thor Love and Thunder. Also seen on set were Chris Pratt uh, reprising his role as Star-Lord and a new look for Sean Gunn's Kraglin sporting a headpiece similar to Yondu's portrayed by Michael Rooker in the first two films. Thor Love and Thunder is filming in Sydney and has Thor teaming up with the Guardians of the Galaxy to fight Christian Bale's Gore the God Butcher as well as Natalie Portman's Jane Foster taking up the mantle of the mighty Thor. I'm so excited for this. Dude. I know. Just the way Endgame ended and just having Thor with the Guardians of the Galaxy was just like, man, I think this next movie is going to be everything I want from something. I, I don't want it to be too Guardians heavy, though. Like, I, 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 I have faith that Taika Waititi won't make it too heavy on that because James Gunn already has Guardians 3 mostly written mm-hmm. and had it written before Thor Love and Thunder was announced, like before his unceremonious unceremonious dumping from the mcu mm-hmm. like originally i'm pretty sure guardians 3 was supposed to kick off phase four before everything happened right um but the most exciting things for me i mean natalie portman back is jane foster super excited for that i'm excited for her to be mighty thor if you haven't read jason aaron's thor run highly 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 recommend it mm-hmm. uh she's she's incredible in it and she's part of she's part of secret wars um, could you imagine do you think that's the next big team big team up movie is secret wars considering we're not getting they've already confirmed we're not going to get an avengers movie this cycle yes mm-hmm. uh, i do think that they're building the secret wars most of the characters are there or the groundwork is being laid for them right now mm-hmm. uh the only i mean the only characters we're really missing are the fantastic four because it at its heart secret wars 2015 is a fantastic four story mm-hmm. uh, well, they are what we're missing we know the fantastic four are coming Right. Uh, that's why, like, the cat, the casting of Mr. Fantastic and Doom in particular are just so critical because whoever signs up for it basically has to know you're eventually doing Secret Wars. Yeah. That's the next big thing that we're doing with the multiverse being introduced now. Uh-huh. Uh, that's going to happen. But yeah. Gore the God Butcher, a, a villain, a fairly recent villain in Jason Aaron's run, his sword is made with the power of the symbiotes 
from uh, Venom. Ooh. Like, it comes from Venom's homeworld, if I remember it correctly. So that's kind of an interesting interesting piece of connective tissue. I don't know if they'll be allowed to reference that or not. The Guardians have an well, entire storyline. They should, they though, right? Because, like, with their partnership with Sony and the Spider-Verse, I, right? Like they. It de- yeah, it depends on how far Sony allows that to reach, though, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, because they don't explicitly reference Peter Parker or Spider-Man outside of Civil War and the Avengers movies. Like, even when they reference him at the end of ant-man they still say we got guys crawling on walls mm-hmm. not fucking spider-man yeah like <laughs> they very they're very careful to avoid saying that like i i think any reference to that of course this comes down the line after both multiverse of madness and after um the sequel to far from home so who knows what they're gonna do that's an interesting piece of connective tissue and then just Man, I'm so excited to have Sean Gunn back. I love Sean Gunn. Uh, he was sorely missed in Infinity War and Endgame, since I consider him to be a Guardian now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just even if he would have been a bit part, I understand that he was very tied up. He was playing Rocket Raccoon, so he was there in a major role in both parts. But come on. Yeah. Uh, did you hear that Matt Damon is in this? Is he? Matt. Da- so Okay, so Matt Damon... And his family flew into Australia, and they had to go into quarantine for two weeks. People are like, "Why the hell is he here?" And it's been deduced he is he is on set for the next two months filming Thor: Love and Thunder. Hmm. I wonder how or why. I wonder what what his role is. I'm very excited to because he was in he so, was he was in he was the fake Loki yeah. in Ragnarok. Yeah, I really want him. to... They're not going to give him this role, but I would love it. I would love for him to be Beta Ray Bill, <laughs> but he's not going to be Beta Ray Bill. Is too important, and Matt Damon's not going to well be tied to a franchise. Uh, just make him like Korg's friend or something. I don't know. Like, come up with something. Let Meek speak for the first time, and it really be Matt Damon. That's funny. I don't know. Just come up with something completely wacky for this guy. I mean, they found a role for Carl Urban in the last one. It's true. They did. Man, Carl Urban, by the way, super underrated actor, I feel like. Except for his awful, awful accent in The Boys. Well, you know. It's so bad. <sighs> I get that's part of the point, but it's so bad. Yeah, I mean, I I need to finish The Boys, by the way. I, I, I loved it, and then I got to that, I got to the part where they went to like that, whatever the superhero AA meeting was, and that guy got his, his dick frozen off. <laughs> Uh, is that in season two it's in the first season it's like halfway oh, okay. through the first season and then like oh, i watched I a little bit after that i'm like happened my brain hurts every time i think about that scene we got a nintendo story i don't know i don't Here know how go. i don't know how important it is but uh nintendo is changing the multiplayer server system with nintendo switch online replacing the system they have been using since the wii era of online the nex online system will be replaced by npln which Monster Hunter Rise will be the first game to utilize this service. This also sparks more rumors about Mario Kart 9 that started late last year. I, I'm i holding my breath. Or I'm not holding my breath, excuse me. Um, I don't trust Nintendo when they say they're reworking their online. I mean... Because the last time they reworked it, we got stuck with a Discord app that we had to press the talk on. It's true. For a voice chat. It's true. So... 
I have no no faith in this whatsoever. They released they literally released controllers without headphone jacks on them. I know that dude that pisses me off so much because like I want to listen to my Switch, but I can't because there's no headphone jack and everybody's sleeping when I'm playing video games, right? So like it hurts my brain. It's 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 irresponsible. Yeah. Uh, look, I I'm all for Nintendo having good online at some point. Uh, the only thing that excites me about this whole story are Mario Kart Nine rumors. Yep. Because I'm all about Mario Kart. They, listen, they realized after the investor call was going to come out, after they they were going to have to release the fiscal year numbers, that they needed something that can take down Animal Crossing New Horizons. So they're mm-hmm. they're going to get fast track Mario Kart Nine. Yeah, I mean I. I would like them to do a smash, like a smash version of Mario Kart, where you include all the characters, like Fox and Samus, and. Oh man, dude, I would love that. Yeah. I would absolutely. I mean, it would have to be relegated the first party, but still, that's so many characters. I mean, not necessarily. You could do. You could get like Pac Man, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're. Just Pac-Man get and just get Namco to help develop some of it and be like, hey, if you help develop, we'll put Pac Man in here. I mean, Bandai Namco helps with them already. Yeah. So. You could easily get them in, but I was saying like no cloud or like Sephiroth or Solid Snake. Oh no, no, I don't mean that. If they got Banjo Kazooie in this, though, that'd be amazing. Because Diddy Kong is already in it, dude. We're basically having next gen Diddy Kong racing at that point. Dude, put Conquer in it. Don't tease me, man. Don't tease me. Oh, that'd be cool though. Banjo and Conquer would be awesome. I would love it. I would love it so much. Maybe like put Joanna Dark in there as a. I was about to say that. What if we got Joanna Dark just riding a laptop gun? Dude, like now I need this in my life. Like I'd be very excited. Give me the double dash cars back though, please. Yeah, I would like a double dash mode. I don't think it I think you could do both in one game and be fine. But I I, I really I like lo- double, double dash. Double dash is unashamedly my favorite Mario Kart. Mm. See Mario Kart eight is it's my the is, only one that did something truly unique in my opinion. It's true. Uh Mario Kart eight is my favorite, but double dash is my second favorite Mario Kart. It's good. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. I should I should stream some of that at some point. I should probably play some more Mario Kart 8. I got Link and then didn't look back. Dude, I've played so much Mario Kart 8 since it came out on Wii U that I've just like every time I boot it up to play it. Game. Every time every time I play it, dude. Every time I play it, I'm like, man, I've played I love this game, but I want some new tracks. I want some new characters. Yeah. Like I just that's like a cash cow just waiting to happen, and I can't believe it happened. I know. Like, they focused on that stupid mobile game, which I don't how Do we even know how that's doing? I don't even know. I don't no know. Idea. Uh, on top of that, though, Josh, did you see that the Switch has officially outsold the 3DS? I did. Uh, it outsold the 3DS. It'll overtake the Wii by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Did you see, though, that the Switch Lite mm-hmm. is like... 0.001 units away from outselling the lifetime of the Wii U. I did. That uh, that made me both happy and like a little sad. I know. I was like, oh my god! Like we don't, we really do not talk enough about how bad the Wii U sold. Yeah, like, it was people terrible. People like to sit here and go, oh, Xbox sold so awful. Oh, Xbox One was bad. It's like, dude, the, the Xbox One sold like five times the amount of Wii U's, if not more. Dude, I love the Wii like, U, but like that, 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 talk about a system that took off on the wrong foot, right? That marketing was so bad at the beginning. 
the Fisher Price it was bad style. the whole time. It was Fish- bad the whole way through. Yeah, the Fisher Price style tablet, like it. It's just it's just bad. Like bad. I, the switch, the switch is the ultimate conclusion on what they wanted the Wii U to be, is my opinion. Uh, and I mean, like it, this kind of goes hand in hand with what Reggie said last week, right? Like he mm-hmm. gave an interview where he said that the switch was kind of like their hail mary. Like that was really their last shot. Like if the switch failed, they were probably out of hardware. Yeah. Or like going straight like to a 3DS successor or something. I don't know. Like he's like, we really didn't have another choice. We didn't have another option, and the switch is going to finish as one of the top three selling consoles of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's I mean, without a switch pro. Like if I'm Nintendo, I'm not doing a switch pro now. Yeah. Why would I? I mean, there's, there's like, no reason, right? Like between, no. between like what panic button is doing with third, if you want to play third party games on the switch, right? It, what, between what people like saber and panic button are doing with third party games mixed with the cloud stuff like control yeah. and Hitman why Nintendo games are going to run perfect on it. Indie games are going to run perfect on it. Why would you do a switch pro? I would like one because I would like a little bit higher resolution because yep. I have a 4k TV. Uh, but I, if they don't ever do a switch pro, like I've been holding out, I have a launch, I have a launch switch, right? Like I would like yep. to get at least one with better battery life, uh, newer insides. Like I would the like battery to- life is the one is the thing for me. Like I, the screen mm-hmm. doesn't really bother me because it's so small. Like I, I mainly play my Switch in handheld mode. Full disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you the last time I plugged it into the dock and played it. And mm-hmm. God, it must have been like before I moved to Austin. So like 2019 sometime mm-hmm. was probably the last time I did that. But the only time I think I would be hooking it up is if I were to go play something like uh, Age of Calamity, where I don't want the screen stuttering. Yeah. Uh, because some games can't handle the handheld, but, but I mean, I played almost the entirety of Breath of the Wild handheld. Yeah, which is crazy because like I I spent 230 hours in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I I was like, you know what, I'm gonna play this whole game on the TV. I'll play oh, shovel. Dude, most of my shrines I played in handheld. Uh, I yeah. did like Divine Peace and yeah. a lot of like exploration shit on my TV. I was but. like, I'll I'll play stuff like Shovel Knight or Bomberman in handheld yeah. mode, but I'm gonna play this whole game on the TV. I play the big story moments on the TV for sure, but I grinded out the shrines and the Korok seeds in handheld mode. It was, it was like, yeah, the switch is exactly what Nintendo needed at the right time. The switch is what I've wanted since I was a kid from Nintendo, frankly. I mean, they've been trying to do it since a GameCube and really since the super, the super Game Boy on Super Nintendo, they've been trying to do this. Yeah. And uh, And I mean, you had the the Game Boy Advance uh, GameCube link, but you also Game Boy Player mm -hmm. for the GameCube. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I still love to find one of those for a not super expensive price. Oh, dude, I uh, I just sold mine. I would have sold it to you. Yeah, I, I check out the retro stores, but they go for like two hundred bucks every time they show up. The player not expensive. Yeah. The disc super. That's expensive. what I'm talking about. The, the disc, uh, the disc and the player together is just so expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's hey, that's why I still have a Game Boy SP in my closet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I don't know, like, Nintendo is one of those companies, like, they do something right, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ride this for a while. It is genuinely baffling that the only thing that they've done is a Switch Lite, and they have, like, resisted the impulse to do, like, a million different versions and variants, like they did with the DS line, or even with the Game Boy. Game Boy Advance from 2001 to 2004 had Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP, and the Game Boy Micro. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing what they, they're doing that Monster Hunter one, they're doing the Mario one this year, but, like, the only special editions. Those are just colors, though. I'm talking like we're not even getting like different design. Yeah, but I like, mean like sizes or anything. Right. 
I've, it's just, it boggles my mind. But also like, why would you do that if the ones that you have are selling, right? Like I'm, I'm talking about, I was talking to somebody the other day about at least the pro controllers, right? Like, yeah, we haven't even gotten unique colored pro controllers. Like we've the got, fact we got that they, the, the fact the only ones they've done is I think they did one for Splatoon. They did one yeah. for Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah. And they did no, a they smash one. Splatoon. They did. Uh, they no. Splatoon they was the No, they did a Splatoon Pro controller. Did it's they? green. It, it has green and pink handles, but the controllers. I I didn't see it then. I have the Joy Cons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have the Xenoblade Chronicles Two one, which is the one I use primarily. Yeah. Uh, I like. I, I have my Launch Day Pro controller, and it's just like it's great, but and it still works fine. Like that's why I've never really noticed Joy Con drift. Like even handheld mode, like I still pop the kickstand out and play that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the time, but. If you're going to do a Switch Pro, I feel like <clears throat> this year is kind of like now or never for it. Mm-hmm. Or you're just going to hold out and like wait and be like, oh, hey, everything you already own is going to be backwards compatible, but we're going to do a true 4K system. Now that they know, like, because they, they are developing something more powerful, it's just a question of is it going to be Switch Pro or is it going to be a brand new console? It's got to be a Switch, dude. Like, I, I don't see them ever going I, back. I, I don't see them going back on the Switch, but that's what, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, do we call it Switch Pro or do we call it, like, Switch 2 or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. At that point, I feel like you just keep the regular Switch because the, the Switch is still selling gangbusters. Why get in the way of that? Yeah. And the only way is, like, if you somehow completely cannot get Metroid Prime 4 and Breath of the Wild 2 to run on it. If I was Nintendo, I wouldn't do Switch Pro, but also, selfishly, I want a Switch Pro. So. Yep, that that's exactly where we're at. Yep. <laughs> I love the Switch Lite though. My stepsister got one for Christmas, and I was—I've never played one of those until mm-hmm. the other day when I was up there uh, taking care of some stuff at their house for them. And she was like, "Oh, she's like, Josh, have you played one of these? Like, you have a regular Switch?" And I was like, "Yeah, I do. It's kind of chunky." And I played that. I was like, "Damn, I really like this." I would really I, like, I would really like, like a Switch, like a Switch with the form factor of the Switch Lite that you can dock. Yep. The D-pad yeah. is so nice. Just having a, a D-pad is so nice on the Switch. I, I've taken it for granted. That's why I don't like using the Joy-Cons. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm playing back on the N64 and I don't like it. All right, Josh, we, we're going to end this with a pair of PlayStation stories here. Uh, God, God of War, PlayStation's 2018 smash hit, is getting a PlayStation 5 optimization patch, including 4K and a 60 frames a second checkerboard performance mode. Uh, God of War 2018 is the reimagined sequel to the long-running PlayStation franchise that started on the PlayStation 2 in 2005. Love it! My second favorite game of the generation beyond Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. About time! It's. Uh... I'll, I'll go. I'll play it again when I get a PS5. I swore I wasn't touching this game again. Like I, I finished it. I spent 35 hours in it. Like I'm good. I don't need to go back. I'll go back and play it like this. I'll mm-hmm. at least play the intro, just see how it holds up. Yeah. I really, I really, it took me a minute to like really get into what that game was trying to do, but yep. about three, four hours and probably about the time you get to, uh, uh, Freya's house when you get off mm-hmm. the boat and you're kind of walking through this and you see all the colors and you just see like the trees blowing in the wind. And it's just, it's one of the most beautiful scenes in the entire game. For me, it was after you beat, uh, Jeremy Davies for the first time after you beat the stranger, mm-hmm. uh, when you beat Freya's, Freya's son, mm-hmm. when you beat him for the first time. And you leave that starting area mm-hmm. and you start climbing the mountain. Mm-hmm. That was the moment that I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. This is not what I was expecting from God of War. And I love it. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Hey, more good news. I'll play God of War again. Yeah. Awesome. It's nothing more to be said. It's it is probably Ragnarok is like one of three reasons I want a PS5 right now. Ragnarok is the reason I want a PS5 yeah. right now. So, uh, lastly, Josh, and will be the show 21 developed by Sony and Sony's San Diego officially arrives on Xbox one and Xbox series X alongside its PlayStation counterparts this April. This marks the first time the show has appeared on a non PlayStation platform due to the new agreement with major league baseball. I just heard Ryan McCaffrey screaming from the East coast. Yeah. Enjoy over this. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool. The box art looks cool. Like uh, the box art with the Xbox stuff on it looks cool. Hey, it's so surreal. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. It's like that box art, that logo, and then the PlayStation Studios logo with the Series X at the top. It's just like this is mind boggling. This mm-hmm. blows this is this is crazy. Um This kind of reminds me of when Microsoft put Ori on the Switch a little bit, but yeah. like even more surreal. Because it's it, it's PlayStation it, and Xbox, right? Like it's like that. I mean, uh, Minecraft Dungeons on PlayStation, I believe, still has an Xbox Game Studios boot up screen. Yeah, uh, like this is just so weird. And like I, I've seen people joke about, you know, with uh, Microsoft acquiring Bethesda, like kind of the inverse of this, like, oh, Deathloop is a timed year long exclusive on PlayStation. Just like do like a 20, 30 second non skippable logo screen every time you boot it up that shows right. like all of their games in it yeah <laughs> i'm like that i mean if i was sony i'd be doing that yeah i think that's hilarious i like, mean hey, you're gonna console. you're gonna see the playstation studios logo boot up with like Sackboy and yeah. you know kratos and and aloy Why like you want that shit yeah like if i'm sony i'd be doing it. if i'm microsoft i'd be doing that like especially after you have bethesda like right dude if i'm microsoft i'm already making that asset and i've got it ready to go mm-hmm. with like dovahkeen with the brotherhood of steel in it yeah. i'm ready bj blaskowitz doom warrior like dude i'm i'm here for it i'm ready um, to throw that on let's get petty over here oh my gosh dude i'm st- but I- getting back to mlb the show though like this is no joke. People bought consoles. Just I know people who bought PlayStations just for the show and just for Gran Turismo. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. people in a, one of the sports groups I'm a part of, they're like, "Man, I love playing on Xbox, but I'm always buy a PlayStation so I can play the show." They're like, it's "Now the, you're telling me I don't have to? I haven't upgraded yet. I'm just going to buy an Xbox now." It's the only simulation baseball game on the market. It's right? the best simulator by far. Oh on yeah, the market for yeah, any major. Sport for any sport like i like i said i've downloaded the 10 hour trial of madden i played it for i played yeah. what five or six online games like you know what i'm good this game is not good right like it's just not it's not good 2k uh 2k is great right but there's so, it's so riddled with microtransactions and commercials yep. and let me sell you something and that's the thing i like like i like 2k i like how madden was like I didn't play Madden this last generation, though, for the reasons that you said. Like, it feels like the exact same game every single year. FIFA feels like the same game every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And if more... And I understand why the licenses don't do this. Because they're getting paid so much money by EA to keep these exclusive. By 2K to keep it exclusive. And it's like, man, like, 2Ks isn't even exclusive. Like, EA can still make NBA Live. It's just it's dog shit. Yeah. So, like, I really wish that more leagues were like Major League Baseball, where they put their foot down and said, you are not going to be allowed to keep this license if you don't put it on everything. Mm-hmm. 
and the show is so critically acclaimed that they're like, okay, well, we have to. Like, it's unlikely the NFL cares or the NBA really cares uh, about the quality or about the excessive amount of microtransactions in both of those games. Right. Uh, and it's a shame. I would love to see an NFL game with the love that the show gets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would, I, dude. I God, would kill for that. I, I want that so much. I want a basketball game that because I, I think I think 2K plays very very well, but like you said, the microtransactions, the in-game ads, the constant product placement, it just, that just gets shoved down your throat. It's so bad. Yeah. I. It's, all, it's unplayable. The the whole ultimate team thing, the my career modes, like. It, they're so bad, like you you don't get the full experience for the sixty seven now seventy dollars that you spent. I actually play two K on the Switch because none of that stuff's in it because the Switch can't handle it. I right. play two K on the Switch. Is it great? Actually, it's a pretty great experience in handheld mode. I'm not gonna lie. Uh I have FIFA on Switch because there's not really there's no my team stuff, there's none of that stuff. It's great. But like as soon as I turn on Matt on Xbox, it was like trying to sell me team packs. It was trying to sell me all these things. You can buy yeah. cosmetics for your avatar in Madden. How stupid is that? Dude, I don't know. Like I, it's funny because like when it first came out, I really liked ultimate team, but I never got into the time sink or the money sink that it is. It's just like, I earn my packs by playing. Yeah. It's and an, inter- it's an interesting like, concept, oh, but like, like you have to grind so hard to get that. And even then you got to hope that you got good cards. Yeah. It's like, it's not worth it. Like, okay, yeah. Use your Twitch prime perks and whatnot, but Holy hell. Like I really wish we were back in the days of not that this game was any good, but when uh, EA wasn't sure if they would agree to let their games be on Xbox live. So Microsoft made their own football games. Mm hmm. And 2K came along and was like, "Hey, you can put, uh, you can, you can put, you can put this on." Or it wasn't 2K; it was still Sega at the time. Mm-hmm. Sega was like, "You can put the 2K games on Xbox Live. Go for it." Like 2K5 is still regarded as one of the best sports games ever made. Yep. You know why? I God, I would love that. Like I, we've heard rumblings that there are going to be other football games, but they won't be Sims like Madden. Mm-hmm. It'll be a little bit more ridiculous. I'm like, I don't want that. I, I don't, want. I don't want that. I want a good simulation football game. I, I want Sony San Diego to make like three more studios yeah. and make me an NFL and an NBA game. Right. That's what I want. I would like, even if they were PlayStation exclusive for some point, like I would buy a PlayStation for that. I would. I would like it, it, No question. I, as much as I love football, like I would, I would. Corey, me out, what, if Josh. The, what if they did that and they put Baker Mayfield on the cover? I mean, there's a rumor that a Browns player is going to be on the next cover of Madden. So, Oh God, the Madden curse, buddy. Yeah, I know. Just don't put Odell Beckham Jr. He's going to get traded. <laughs> they're, no, they're going to put Miles Garrett. I mean, I would either put Miles Garrett or Nick Chubb, probably. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt together. Be, oh my Garrett, gosh, it'll be, be awesome. a full. It'll be a full season suspension. Yeah, first game, probably. All right, Josh, why don't we end the show with what we've been playing or watching or doing? Let's do it, Josh. I've been playing a lot of Destiny. Uh, obviously tune into tower casuals to hear about that. Still really enjoying destiny. Like just getting back into it recently after a little bit of a break playing cyberpunk is, is yeah. just really hitting all the right notes right now. I've been playing cyber shadow a little bit. How, how is that? Like I've heard mixed things. I've heard some people go, Oh my God, this is really awesome. And then I've heard others go, okay, this is fine, but it feels like it, this is good, but it feels like we've been here before like multiple times in the last five to 10 years. Here's like the, it's time to move beyond the eight bit remakes to the 16 bit. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like if this game would have come out before the messenger, it might mm-hmm. be in that conversation. But since we've already played the messenger and a lot of these 16 or eight bit, 16 bit homages, it just kind of feels like it feels like another one, a really good one, but another one. Also, it's incredibly difficult. It is that, difficult. That's what I've heard. And I'm just like, I want to try this, but I am also like kind of in a mode where I'm like, not that I don't like a challenge, but I'm just like, I have such little time to play right now mm-hmm. that I don't want to waste it getting mad and wanting to stick on my controller. Mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot of super hot and that's what's causing me to want to do that on, uh, I'm playing mind control delete that's mm-hmm. on uh, game pass and just, it's infuriating sometimes. Yeah. That game is just, God, I hate it. I yeah. hate it. So you streamed much. it. I popped into one of your streams. You were playing it. Yeah. I, it's just, it's not like, Oh my God, like I'm going to check my controller, but it's just like, fuck, like you have to be near flawless towards the end stages of that game. Yeah. Like I just, I can't do it. It's like hollow Knight. Like I got to a point where I was just like, Nope, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, love this, but I'm done. That's, I mean, I feel cyber shadow. I don't know if I'm going to continue it. Honestly, like I, I like it, but it's really hard. And like, there's a bunch of other games that I want to play on game pass right now. And as much as I like Yacht Club and and Shovel Knight and that stuff, like I, I, know, I know I know they're publishing this game. I know what Mechanical Head Games developed this. It's a very good game. It's just too it's it's really difficult, and I just feel like I've played it already. You know what I mean? And I just right. don't, I don't it, feel it's like it's been there, done that. Yeah, I don't feel like I need to finish it. Which I'm glad because I was gonna buy it on Switch because you know whatever. And then Xbox is like, oh, it's coming to Game Pass. I'm like, sweet. Another game I don't have to buy. I feel bad, but right. I don't have to buy. So, uh, and I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't buy it. You know. But other than that, I uh, I've really just pl- been playing a lot of Tetris before I go to bed. I'm on a te- another Tetris kick, Josh. Every night before I go to bed, I just play three or four matches of Tetris. Tetris Effect Connected or Tetris Ninety Nine? Uh, actually, the Tetris portion of Puyo Puyo Tetris. Oh my God, it's just basic. Basic gas Tetris. I did play Tetris Effect Connected though. The music Connected has ruined Tetris for me forever. The I just I love it so much I can never play another version. The music is amazing in yeah, that it game. Is. I wish I wish there was a mode where I could like I, like I could see the blocks better. Yeah, uh, I, I I sit so close to my monitor that it doesn't bother me too much but i definitely can see that yeah i I was playing it on my tv in the living room and like when there's a lot of stuff going on in the background and the blocks are clear you know or the same color as the background it's just kind of like i Mm -hmm. i can't really see but i i love it man it's really good it's really really good it is i'm so i'm so glad it finally went multi-platform so excited if that comes to the switch i'll buy it right away yeah oh yeah i will play it on the switch for sure yeah Um, I, i will actually buy it there yeah uh are you are you playing anything josh i mean what are you what are you streaming now uh so i'm I'm in between games i put up a twitter poll today to determine what my next game was going to be whether it was going to be more super hot which i feel like we're just going to start ending on super hot Mm -hmm. uh the indiana jones game that you and i talked about just a couple weeks ago is on games with gold (laughs) for february i know i hate that i literally bought it two weeks ago when we were talking about it i bought it yeah, I, uh, I got I, that. I don't really remember the game. It's almost 20 years old, so I put that up as an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Medium, and, which I, I'm going to play the Medium, but I don't think it's going to be a stream game, just because yeah. I 
get scared super easily and like there's not like jump scares apparently in this but it's like more psychological terror and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah with my anxiety i probably don't want to play that on stream mm-hmm. uh, and then my other one which uh, this one is uh running away with it right now i believe uh skyrim with mods yeah because you can you can make it 60 frames a second on xbox series x right yes but there the is a, there, there is a player developed mod that just came out i downloaded that a lot of the texture packs uh, clear skies for the map uh alternate start and like relationship dialogue overhaul and holy shit it feels like a different game like that game i i oh, dude i did a comparison of trying to play it in 30 frames and playing it at 60 and i'm like oh my god this is so much better once you've done 60 frames in enough games it just every everything else is ruined for you for the rest of your life yeah yeah i i can't i can't go back i i just can't yeah so i think it's gonna end up being a combination of skyrim and uh super hot yeah that'd yeah. be cool i don't have anything else i mean like i'm not i'm not playing my switch right now yeah i'm i'm kind of waiting for for mario 3d world to be honest with you i i'm not um i'm sure i'll play it eventually i've played most of the 3d marios but i was so put off by the mario 3d collection 3d all-stars mm-hmm then I'm just like, I really don't want to play a Mario platformer for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, my girlfriend uh, really wants it, though, and it comes out like two days before Valentine's Day, so I'm probably going to buy it for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to play Bowser's Fury, if nothing else. Yeah, I'm really into. I, I'm really excited for for 3D World. I was really disappointed in the 3D All Stars collection. It was just, yeah, it was, it was bad. Like. I play- uh, it's it's flat out it's flat out bad. I I played each of the games for about 15 20 minutes and I was just like mm-hmm. nope, I'm done. Yeah, I, I'm good. I played Mario 64 for about an hour. I ran around uh in Mario Sunshine for about 20 yep. minutes and I played the first level in Galaxy and I'm just like, man, this is just like I This is we, this we, is we, not we had I a wanted. question about this on uh on a show that we did uh last night actually about like what games need the Resident Evil 2 remake treatment and uh, the answer is every 3D Mario. Mm-hmm. Because this is just this is bad. This is the very different. In fact, I'm in I'm in a fantasy critic uh, league this year. Uh, did it last year, had a lot of fun, and this year we were talking about rules for remakes. And I was like, well, if unless it's a r- actual remake like Resident Evil Two or Final Fantasy Seven, it should not be considered because you have the bullshit that Nintendo puts out. And oh, well, it came, we put it out in high def. Like that's not enough. That's not enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to completely overhaul the entire game. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's bad. what I've been what I have been doing though, Corey. Oh boy, is I've been watching a lot of TV. <laughs> I mean, I've I've been watching a lot of stuff. I'll I'll get into it after you though. I, you're watching I, WandaVision, right? I'm watching I'm watching WandaVision. I'm all caught up on it. Um, I just stay up on Thursday nights now because we we do terror casuals on Thursday nights and. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend is is a nurse. For anybody who doesn't know, she's a nurse. She works really wacky hours, so I tend to stay up on Thursday nights uh, and just wait. That's typically towards the end of her sh- her uh, stretches, so she'll have like Friday and Saturday off, and uh, I'll watch WandaVision. I'll go to bed so that way nobody accidentally spoils me because people start texting me as soon as it airs, and then I get up in the morning. I go pick up breakfast. I come back and we watch it again, and I pretend to be really excited. <laughs> like I don't know what's happening, but you do. So, 
Or maybe maybe WandaVision's a show where you're like, I really don't know what's happening. I need to watch it again. I mean, well, I, I, I have plenty of practice doing this with uh, Mandalorian seasons one and two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki and Miss Marvel and all those. But, but watching that, uh, I've been watching a lot of anime, though. Like, I really got into an anime kick over the last year. Yeah. I've never been into anime before now. It only took 28 years to get me into anime. Is that that is was that, not Digimon or Pokemon or Yu Gi Oh? Is that is that is that is that Ray's fault? Is that Ray's fault? Uh, <laughs> so our friend Ray Apollo has been bugging me for years to get into anime. Uh, in fact, on my very first show, Corey referenced this at the beginning. Uh, when we met, I was doing a show called Neek. Our sixth episode in that show's entire run was Josh learns about anime, and it was two hours of him and our other co-host Chris recommending various animes for me to watch i can safely assure you i have not watched a single goddamn one of those (laughs) i think i tried one of them for a couple of episodes and now just never went back the old actually i take that back the only one that was recommended to me that i have actually watched was attack on titan which i it took until now to get me into it because i watched a few episodes was like this is moving too slow for me now I'm about halfway through the second season, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is. I, I see why people told me I would like this. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Attack on Titan, uh, Demons, and I, I got on the Demon Slayer train. I'm fully on the hype train for Demon Slayer. Corey, I'm officially trying to evangelize you into watching that now. Uh, you like good, good, crispy animation. That's some of the best TV animation I've ever seen is in Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer? Demon Slayer. I'm going to write that down. It is like number five on the most watched shows on Netflix. I'm writing it down. And it's in English on Netflix, so you don't have to read subtitles. Ooh. Ooh. Even though I watch a lot of mine with subtitles because I have to watch them in Japanese since they're not out in English yet. Mm. And the other one, uh, two other ones, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Been watching that. That's. You want to talk about something that's really fucking weird, that's it. I'm halfway through the first season, still don't really understand what's going on, but it feels like the paranormal and things like that, which is kind of cool. Um, it's set in Tokyo, and then another one that's obviously set in Japan. Uh, it is by far my favorite that I've watched, uh, to the point where I actually signed up for Shonen Jump, uh, the app on the App Store, and I paid two bucks a month to read all the manga I want which really just means I pay two bucks to be able to read My Hero Academia every Sunday when the new chapter comes. <laughs> I have watched all the anime. I have watched both movies. I have caught up on the manga. I read it the second it goes live at 11 a.m., 10, 10 or 11 a.m. Central Time. I'm so fully into this because it is a manga all about superheroes. Like, what if the whole world had superpowers? Ooh. Um, I encourage anybody who likes the MCU in particular to watch my hero academia the anime. josh I is, is this is 2021 the year that i get into anime 2021 is the year that cory deere gets into anime yes my hero academia academia so cory did you ever watch dragon ball z as a kid no okay well the person who voices one of the main heroes in this show uh all might who's kind of like the mentor to all these kids he's basically their superman uh is voiced by um the same person who voices Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z mm. or in Dragon Ball Z, excuse me. Um, so that's really cool, but it, it's a really good show. Basically imagine that everybody in the world has superpowers and only a handful of people don't. 
the main character is a boy who doesn't have superpowers, but spoiler, like you find in the very first episode, he is bestowed with the powers of Superman, essentially. What if Superman could give his powers to somebody else, mm. pick his successor, mm. uh, and then trains him personally. Like you're being trained by your idol. You're 16. You're being trained by your idol. Like you've wanted to be a hero your whole life. You're not able to, and this and that it's, it's an amazing story. Um, it's all about him and his class. This is high school class, and like everybody gets a, every kid gets a moment to shine in these arcs. Like there's none that are just like completely thrown aside. Like even if they're super minor, they still have an arc that they're part of. Mm. Um, while interacting with heroes and villains in this world, and you know, it, he literally narrates it because uh, he narrates every episode. Um, the main character Izuku does. And when he's doing this, he says, you know, at the end of the first, uh, at the end of the second episode, excuse me, it's like a 1A, 1B style of thing for the pilot. He says, oh yeah, this is the story of how I became the world's greatest hero. And you see his foil starts developing over the series too about how this guy becomes the world's greatest villain. Essentially, like setting up that inevitable clash. Like you find there's all backstory to his power and everything else. It's just, it's surprisingly intricate for something that starts out as, ah, oh, this feels like it's kind of a kid's show. And it's like, oh, oh, this is not a kid's show. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this is, this is, there's people eating blood out here. There's, <laughs> this is not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. It's great. So, yeah, uh, go watch you some anime. These are both on Netflix, you said? Uh, My Hero Academia is on Hulu. Oh, okay. Well, good. I have that, too. And uh, Demon's, Demon Slayer is on both, though. Okay. And Demon Slayer, it's the perfect time to get into it. It's only one season right now. Second season hasn't been aired, and the movie is about to come out here in America. Ooh. So. I've got some catching up to do. So I know so what I, I'm doing I, before I'm going to send you a scene when we get done with this. And this one scene, I'm going to send you a scene from both, and it's going to sell you on watching these. Okay. I believe you. I believe you. I've kind of gone the other way, Josh. I've not been watching anime. I have been though, because I know you, me, and and Joe have talked about doing an episode on the on the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, soon, and uh, I've been rewatching the Mandalorian. Let me tell you what. Season two is amazing. Season one. Let me tell you, it's good, but it's not as good as season two. Man, oh, so, oh, I'm I'm gonna say so many of my thoughts from when we do a show about the Mandalorian, but season one is it's so different from anything that we got in Star Wars before, and mm -hmm. it's the show I always wanted. Season two like blows the connection to the universe wide open, though. Yeah, and it's it feels like a different show though. If the first one is a western, this is like a globe trotting adventure mm -hmm. of sorts. Like it feels almost like I'm like journeying the world in like a james bond movie because every single episode is like i mean then the first season it was like this too like it was oh it was different planets but the first season i also felt was like a much more linear story mm -hmm. like they were on the run it was like a bonnie and clyde thing almost but yeah i don't think baby yoda could be clyde or bonnie for that matter and this time though it's like oh my god like every episode like there's so much nostalgia but it's nostalgia that's used in a powerful storytelling way mm -hmm. that makes sense it's not like oh we're just throwing out these connections for the hell of it like we're not referencing han solo's deeds every five minutes like luke skywalker's not even mentioned by name like we never dreamed never dreamed he was showing up and then it's just like, oh my god! Like everything that eight-year-old me ever wanted is happening on screen. I'm, I'm literally. It's three o'clock in the morning when we're watching it. I'm screaming. I'm crying. Like I can't handle what's happening in front of me. 
Say, I'm in disbelief. Say what you will about Disney's kind of handling of Star Wars, right? But they've gotten two things that I really wanted out of that original trilogy and we never saw was a scary Darth Vader from Rogue One and a badass Luke Skywalker at the end of The Mandalorian. Yeah, it, it's... It is the scene that I hope finally shuts everybody up who did not like The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I hope it finally shuts them all up. Like, okay, cool. You got you got a badass. Like, I thought we got a badass Luke Skywalker in that in, the, in his fight with uh, Kylo Ren. No I, but, no, I meant like a young Luke. Oh, yeah. No, no. You get Luke in his fucking prime here. Yeah. And this, this is the shit that I wanted. This is what Return of the Jedi would have looked like if it had been made in the 2000s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh my god, it's just it's so good. It dude, it's it's just like you see how hard it was for Din Djarin to take down one dark trooper by himself. Yeah. Basically had to use all his tricks to kill it, and then Luke just cuts through them all so effortlessly. And it's like nothing in this universe matches to the power of a Jedi. And it's like the first time I really feel like we g- I honestly like in terms of combat like that isn't over the top it's one of the first times i feel like we really got to see that power because we know how powerful the dark troopers are but we also know the power of the force and so you're not fi- seeing him fight another force user you're seeing him just carve through like this mini army essentially they're not battle droids like we saw anakin and obi-wan kill right they're not stormtroopers these are these things almost killed the main character of a series yeah they're no joke. They abducted a force user. <laughs> yeah. They're no joke, dude. No. No joke. And Luke, it's just like they're paper mache. It's yeah. it's amazing. This is this is the kind of Jedi power I want to see that is like used so sparingly, and it's that much more effective when it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so I've been watching that. I'll have more thoughts when we do our Mandalorian episode. Yeah. I've also been watching a lot of Disney food blog because I've become I've I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary of us being at Disney right before the pandemic started. Yep, my, mine's in like a week. Yeah, and it's I've I've got Disney fever so hard, dude. I've been watching all the all the snacks. I've been watching all the rides. I've been watching just like. Have you been seeing the chalk drawings that mm-hmm. uh, people are doing at the Epcot Festival? Yeah, incredible. They, incredible. They're cool. They're so cool. Uh, my kid, by the way. Recently, ha- start speaking of Epcot, recent obsession with Figment. By the way, very recent. So happy, yeah. so happy. You should see this picture. I'll probably post it on Instagram or on Twitter at some point. Where she took all the, the my Figments from my office because I have a bunch. I have like a shrine of Figment in my office. She took them all off the chair and off the the shelves and stuff, and lined them all up in the living room. There was like fourteen or fifteen of them. Just lined them all up, and she just pointed at him and was like, Figment. I was like, yeah, that's right. Damn right. We love Figment. I do. Dude, Figment is my favorite. Figment's my favorite. Just going to say. Rip Dreamfinder. I miss Dreamfinder. So. <sighs> well, Josh, we did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah. It's one episode in the books. It is one episode in the books. Uh like I said, this was a very fly by the seat of our pants type of episode. Uh, it's probably going to be structured like this. What I kind of want to do is is have a major topic at the end of the show. But you know what? I'm very happy. I'm very happy we got to do this, Josh. I feel like this went better by doing it this way than actually just kind of like planning out an episode for a week and a half and being like, this is what we can talk about, whatever. Uh, 
But Josh, thank you for joining me on this pilot episode of Standard Definition. Dude, anytime. I'm very excited for you. Corey's a guy I've worked with for a long time, and uh, very excited to be doing Tower Casuals, and then you know, be on this whenever, uh, whenever he'll have me, and whenever I'm able to. Yeah, uh, I'm very, I'm very happy you're here. I'm very happy that we get to do Tower Casuals every week. Uh, I'm just, I'm just very happy, man. So, where can we find you, Josh? You can find me on Twitter and on Twitch as at Josh underscore Finn with two N's, as always. And like I said earlier, we're, uh, we're debating what we're going to play, but it's going to be a lot of Skyrim, a lot of super hot, maybe some medium. If I'm not too scared, we'll do a fresh playthrough or something. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, follow me for uh, for my uh, trips through, uh, through anime as I uh, discover plot threads that people have known about for years, and I'm shocked that they weren't spoiled for me. You can follow me at I am Corey and HD on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Standard Def Pod. You can follow me on Twitch at Corey and HD. I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening to this pilot episode of Standard Definition. Remember to like, subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you listen to the show. And until next time, we love you. Goodbye.